1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Total Italian Football Podcast for match day 19. we That's halfway, isn't it? We're halfway through now. Yeah. And it's our first one, 2024. Uh, I'm Ian Burns. We've not got Connor or Kev this week. You, you've got an unusual podcast this week. Uh, Connor is busy in a general manner, and Kev is away. He's in, I think, the Dominican Republic or somewhere of that ilk um having a very nice time out So he's been riding horses and all sorts um so i'm joined by vito as you might expect say hello vito
2: hello ewan how are you
1: i'm all right long day but we're getting there near the end of it you, you've not had a, a, any day at all yet have you
2: no uh like you pointed out many many years ago that i'm in the future so yeah you are. It's 2025, where you are. yeah um <laughs> Yeah. Oh, a bit earlier in ten twenty
1: five, but yeah. Not too Look, far. Twenty twenty-five. <laughs> oh, no, not that far. <laughs> um and we're also joined for the first time by Ben Dixon, who if if anyone is eagle eyed on Total High Tony football, you might have spotted articles from Ben. Um but yeah, with Connor and Kev gone, we've scraped all the way to the bottom of the barrel, oh. and we've we've dug up Ben. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Making a debut, so I'm, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and Ben's Ben's based in England, so it's late night for him like it is for me, the opposite of Vito. Um, Right, action. We've had 10 games, no Monday games this week, so we've had a lot already. Um, Friday night, Bologna 1, Genoa 1. So Bologna sort of stumbling a little bit now. Uh, Saturday morning, Inter 2, Verona 1. That was stupid at the end. I turned it off just before it all got interesting. Um, frozen two, Monza three, Lecce one, Cagliari one, Sassuolo one, Fiorentina nil, and then Sunday, Empoli nil, Milan three, Udinese one, Lazio two, Torino three, Napoli nil, which is awful. Um, Salernitana so one, Juve two, and it all ended just now with Roma one, Atalanta one. We've we've got I I'd, I'd say multiple choices of where we could potentially start. Um. I might plump for Inter just for the sake of chronology. Um Inter one two one. Obviously they they dropped points the weekend before against Genoa, so they you know they needed to bounce back. And Latara scored very early, so it seemed it seemed pretty obvious what was gonna go down. Um and then quite literally nothing happened, which is why I then turned it off to watch some FA Cup football instead. Um it was still 1-0. There was maybe 20 minutes left of Inter. And to, to, to sort of show that I think I still think I was right to turn it off, the highlights package for this, the Verona equaliser in the 70 something minute is about 40 seconds into the highlights package. <laughs> they literally showed the goal and then just jumped to the next goal because absolutely nothing happened. Um, uh, Tom Henry scored the equaliser. It pretty much hit him and went in. Um, and then it all went mad because among other weird things happening Fratozzi got the winner in the 93rd um Lazovic got sent off I don't Vito you were covering this I don't know if you, were, you were more eagle-eyed than me I couldn't see from the highlights what he got sent off for um did you spot it
2: uh I didn't notice any particular infringement so I just um assumed that it must have been for dissent
1: Mm, maybe the ref, ref just went mad. Just lashed out. <laughs> it, you can have a card right. while this is all going <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah, um, And then at the very, very end, I think it was like 98th, um, it looked, yeah, Verona obviously were trying to score. Then Inter went up the other end, sort of messed up a chance where there was no no one in the goal. And then the ref called it back for a penalty, back at the other end for Verona, because uh, Damian had booted somebody up in the air. And Omri um, stepped up and scuffed it in the weirdest way, hit the post, and they missed, and it was all a massive drama. Vito, you covered this for TotalHackAndTaldingFootball.com, and was were into worth the win, even though it came about in a weird way?
2: Ooh. I was having a bit of this conundrum after the game, and part of me says... Yes, and that's only because I think that Inter are a better squad, but I, I felt that Simone Inzagi was a bit complacent in his ma- game management, and he let Verona into the game. The Joglu Blues showed a lot of heart in this game, they worked hard, and it's clear that they don't really have the quality for Serie a, but I couldn't really fault their effort, and it, did look like they were really sort of missing something. So when Tomao and Ray came on and scored right away, it was like that was their chance. And for him to miss the penalty, um, yeah, that was a bit of bad luck on their end. To be honest, I think even though I said a few seconds early, Inter probably deserved the win. I kind of feel that even though Verona went on a technical level particularly great, just for doing endeavor and just for showing a bit of heart and having a crack at Inter, I think that if Henri had scored that penalty, I think they probably would have been worthy of the draw themselves.
1: Obviously we've we've talked about this a fair few times, especially in the past few weeks of um you know this what feels like a two horse title race. Um obviously we've not talked to Ben about it. Um so Ben where where do you stand in terms of Right now, I feel like even though it's tight, I still just kind of back into to to get over the line pretty much all the time. And this was kind of another example of that. Are you in that camp, or are you sort of leaning more in a UVA way?
0: It's it's a really difficult one to answer, especially after they both won so late this weekend. But I think within two, it's there's always more kind of balance with it it almost feels like whereas with Juve it kind of seems they will pull something out eventually but there's always a kind of thought in the back of your mind where for example today with Juve where there was just a bit missing and like Vito said with Inzag potentially being a bit um complacent with his tactics and whatnot that could push results towards Juve's favour but with Inter there's just always that sort of Hope that there's going to get something, whereas with UV well, not not hope, sorry. There's there's more of a feeling that they will get something, whereas Juve it's more of a hope.
1: If that makes any sense at all. No, that does. I, I think I think that is what I think. <laughs> without without um, vocalising it, because I think I might have said it a few weeks ago that this this weekend actually was quite a good example of it, where Inter sort of scraped the win, if you like but they were ahead and in control of the game for the majority of it. Whereas Juve also got a late win, but they came from behind. It, it always feels like Juve are closer to not getting the win than, than Inter are, but generally speaking, they both always do. Um, talk about Juve now anyway, because you, you were covering that one, Ben, for the website. Um, same question for you as I go to Vito. really. Were Juve were worthy of the win, even though it came about in the way it did?
0: Um. Yes and no. The first half, no. Um, Salernitano were—I don't—I I don't know if the better side is—is is the right way of putting it, but they were the more difficult side. Um, getting the goal in the first half was was hugely important, and they were for 50 minutes they looked like they were going to be the side that were going to get on the better end of a result, um, and looked like you—and it looked like you weren't going to get anything from the game—and then you've got a red card, and instantly everything kind of looks like it's going to go in one direction from there, but it's a it's a case where Juve have to rely on that red card and obviously you can you can look at it in, in a million different ways and say well potentially this might happen potentially it might not but from the way the game was going uh Slater were, were really really I don't want to say dominant but just difficult to break down um and then losing that extra man just allowed Juve to push up and and get more of a in the game and then eventually it just They they get the first goal back, they score the late winner, and it just kind of... Well, once the first goal, they get the equaliser, it just kind of feels like the game's going to go one way. It's just kind of a case of when, and then Blahavich just does what he has done consistently and and drags Juventus out of
1: it. Yeah, I I, I quite enjoyed the way it, it showed how daft football is, because earlier... It showed how daft it is for two reasons. For some reason, teams that get drawn against each other in the cup, no matter what country you're in, always end up seemingly playing each other the following weekend or the previous weekend in the in their domestic league. Um, you know, you beat Silentana six one, wasn't it earlier yes. this week in in the Coppa Italia, and then struggled to a two one, albeit away from home, but a totally different game. Um, it's a silly, silly, silly game. Um, Vito Maggiore is a bit of a tool, isn't he? Because I didn't see what his first yellow was for, but (laughs) the second one, he just clattered somebody (laughs) while on a yellow. Um, and he'd scored as well. And it's like, I'd I'd forgotten that because he was at Spezia, wasn't he? I'd forgotten where he'd gone because he was linked with, um, quite a few teams when sort of before, before Spezia started to really decline. Um, and Yeah, he popped up with a very, very good goal, and it sort of seemed like it could be a a big game for him overall, and then he gets sent off. Are you upset with him, like I (laughs) am?
2: It's another disappointing one, because that's another case of going from hero to zero. Um, I mentioned that on my three takeaways with the Inter-Verona game with Thomas Henry, you know, by missing that penalty, and Maggiore has gone on to do something a bit similar there. I mean... You know, we've seen Inter and just get over the line with these wins. But uh, in other circumstances, it's like, you know, one individual could have really shaped it for his team. And, yeah, it's a case of what could have been, you know. These provincials could have actually sprung a shock if um, the key players didn't lose their heads. And, yeah, Maggiore, by getting that second yellow, did not do his team any favours at all.
1: Should be said if if they hadn't gotten over the line here, it would have been uh, a real failing because um, obviously there's all these mad parallels between this game and the inter game with you know also a red card for the the um, the smaller team. But Majori was sent off in the 53rd minute, um, so it's it's a very different sort of situation. You They needed to win from that point on. You know they needed to win anyway against the team at the bottom, but with an extra player for almost half a game there would have been a lot of angry people on the internet had they not won that one um that means title wise it's still two points um you yeah, know obviously they had that little little wobble against Genoa but they've they've won again and until these two play each other you, it just it, it it doesn't really feel particularly like there's going to be any major drama but you could argue that's what we want at this stage because it keeps them together um team that are trying to catch up to them, at Milan. Um Vito, you're on this one as well. You put in a big shift this weekend in the in the, in the absence <laughs> of others. Yes. Um they beat Empoli 3-0 and this was like a spot on performance. Yeah, you know, apart from a, a, there, there was a brief spell in the second half where Empoli were lightly threatening to maybe get back into it a little bit. Um if they felt like it and it as it turned out they didn't. But Teo Hernandez was fantastic. I think he's going to be our player of the week, which is something that people can read um, on Monday. Some point on Monday, but we've not decided yet. Um, and he didn't score, but he, he just kept doing these daft runs and he was playing at centre-back again, which is something he's, he's taken to incredibly well. But a player that I didn't think would take to it in the way that he has. Um, he's kind of seen as a very gifted but immature player, but I think the way that he's played at centre-back has actually been very mature. Um And Xhaka Traore scored as well at the end, which is a very nice goal. He's, I think he's 18, possibly 19. Um He scored in the week against Caleri in the Cup as well, so he's having a nice little time. It was just a, a good day all around for Milan, wasn't it, Vita?
2: It was probably one of the better performances for this season. Granted, it was against Empoli, but I saw with Milan, they knew how to press, they knew when to be compact, and they were quite balanced. Uh, The confidence on the ball seemed to be back because I think in other games recently, they showed that they had trouble combining or it seemed that they were better suited to playing on the counterattack. In this game, they were just happy to do as they please. And if we're talking about specific individuals, I thought, yeah, Teo Hernandez in particular stood out because... He was defending very well and he showed that typical comfort on the ball that we've become accustomed to from him. And and also to point out that, you know, with um, yeah, Chaka Traore and there was another kid that played, um, Jimenez, it's good that, you know, judging from this game and even that routes against Cagliari, that they've actually got some decent kids as well. So... If they can, you know, have those experienced players that are still doing well, like Teo Hernandez, Giroud stepped up to score the penalty, a few others, then these kids, they'll have some good, you know, good mentors or good teammates that can sort of help them out. And with the vibrancy and energy, they had something extra too. So I think it was one of those games with the Soneri, not much could really go wrong.
1: Yeah, they have been obviously deeply frustrating for a lot of this season Milan because of the players they've got and the performances that they've managed to produce but you mentioned various kids there in in that calorie game they started with two 18 year olds and two 19 year olds um apparently the that was the first time that Milan had started with two 18 year olds since 2016 um Incident, I, the, the, I wouldn't normally do this with Vito. You're the sort of person who might actually be able to name the two players. Who do you think they were? It was late. It was December uh,
2: 2016. December, uh, December 2016. Oh, that's a good one. Two, <laughs> uh, two 18-year-olds. I presume Manuel Locatelli was one of them at the time.
1: Correct. I'd say that's the harder one, probably, actually.
2: Uh, and the other one would have been Gianluigi Donnarumma.
1: Correct. What a weird yeah. overall. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a weirdo, he's a fountain of knowledge. Um, yeah, like I said, I wouldn't normally do that, but I thought you might have that in the locker. Um, but yeah, they they started that with two 18 year olds, which were uh Jimenez and I think it's Luca Romero is 18, and then there was two no, uh, Jan Carlos is the other 18 year old, and then um, Luca Romero and Chef Troy I think are both 19. Um, and Jan Carlos has been involved for a few weeks now because they've got no defenders and has, has been very solid. He got a goal as well recently. Um, Alex Jimenez, like I said, came on in this game and looked very solid. He had a, he had one very good run as well. Um, he's on loan from Real Madrid, incidentally. Um, I think it's five million they can pay to keep him at the end of the year. Um, so, you know, it's something we don't see a massive amount of compared to other leagues. Is players of that age coming through and having a, a genuine role in the first team. Obviously it's been partially forced by injuries. Um, you know, someone like Shakira being involved, that would have been that would have been Chokwazi were he not a, um he's gone for AFCON. Um but, you know, if you if you if you are in poor form like they are, it's 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 not a bad thing from a sort of neutral perspective to see Bioli giving that sort of player a chance. Um then First goal. That was a very nice goal, wasn't it? Talk to me about the goal.
0: It, it was just really, really nice back to front, quick. And it's something that we haven't seen enough of this season, I think. It just it it just everything flowed and it, it's it's been rare to see that. And then just the finish was lovely too. Like it was it's a class goal and it's a goal that you'd see from somebody that would be a contender for a scudetto. And that's something that we haven't seen enough of from Milan, just showing that little bit of class in games and showing that today, especially with the situation that Pioli's in, brings a little bit of confidence kind of as a case of even if Pioli moves on in the summer, that Milan can turn on the style if they need to. And against Empoli, with, uh, uh, who are whoever side that are going to struggle towards the end of the season, you need to be able to prove that you can make things flashy and provide a bit of confidence for fans as well.
1: It was... Um, I can't remember if it was uh, Emmanuel Jazzy that he... that Liao skinned yeah. to set up that goal. But either way, he, he gave Jazzy a horrible time down that side yeah. for quite a lot of the game. And um, Loftus-Cheek is one of them players. He's, he's a silky player. And that was a very silky finish. Um, it's a sort of goal that feels like Milan have nearly scored quite a lot this season. Um, and it actually came together. But let's get more negative and angsty now because we're going to go to Turin, um, where Torino beat Napoli three nil. Um, I think it was last week on the pod or the week before, whatever. I said something along the lines of, "I'm not saying that Mazzari should be like imminently sacked, but I can vividly picture a, a world where Napoli get to another manager this season. Um, this sort of result is." is the sort of thing that would rapidly accelerate that, especially with somebody like De though you know, you never, you never quite know what he might do next. Um I wouldn't put it past him at all to just get rid of Matsari pretty quickly because there, there has been no noted improvement. If anything, they've gotten worse than they were under Rudy Garcia. Um highlight of this game by far though was um Pasquale Matsuki has has moved. <laughs> First bit of news: He's moved from Salernitana to Napoli about two days ago. Didn't know that had happened, but apparently he's boyhood Napoli fan. Um, so it's a very nice move for him. He came on in the second half, and within four minutes he got a straight red. Um, and it, it was it was really really a red as well. It was an awful tackle. I don't know what on earth the plan was. In his, <laughs> he literally went duds in on someone's thigh. Um, I he was just extremely fired up, and he just flew into the guy, and that was at one nil, and then it very quickly became two um, nil, and then uh, Buongiorno got the the third. Victor, are, are you are you with me in the sense that that like it doesn't feel like Matsauro can see out the season with the way there's been no improvement there.
2: I can't. I can't seem lasting. Too much longer if they keep on losing like this. It doesn't feel like there's been any improvement, but even greater regression. And I think De Laurentiis has made horrible choices with both coaches this season. Uh, Garcia was a bad appointment from the first place. And then to bring back Mazzari is even worse. Um, he hasn't brought stability. In fact, it's just looks like the team has become more dejected and lost. So, yeah, you know, it's very disappointing. And this goes beyond, you know, Matsaki getting sent off for such a reckless challenge. Just, you know, for them to even go down at the, you know, early on like that way, it's quite disappointing. They just look like a complete shadow of the team that they were last season. And look, I don't know if there have been any rumours floating around that Mazzotti's going to get the sack anytime soon. But I, if it was me, I personally think that De Laurentiis needs to bite the bull and just say, get Tudor in, get someone who's got a clear idea on how to play football, and just give him like a two-and-a-bit-year contract or something, not, not this one year. Just build with him and take it from there because Garcia and Neil Mazzari have really taken this team backwards and they have undone Spalletti's great work badly.
1: Yeah, they, they want it. Eagle Tudor at some point in the past anyway, didn't they? Um but yeah, like you say, the, the Garcia appointment was odd. Um and then the Matsari one is is worse. Um you know, it was even odder. Um obviously they're now the for this game and beyond, they're now without Victor Oziman as well. Um because he's gone to AFCON. Um and Nigeria are one of the teams that we'll be expecting to you know they're not expecting to go out in the group stage. He, he probably will be gone for a month, or best part of. Um, but then that that him being gone is is going to be a massive blow to any team. But that doesn't excuse this sort of performance and the sort of performances they put him while he's been injured earlier in the season.
0: Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. Um, at the end of the day, you've, you're looking at goals conceded and. If we're being completely honest, are, are-, are Napoli going to score four goals? No, they've not looked like they- they're going to for-, for quite some time now. So it lies a lot deeper whether Ossiemen and Farrat are playing or absent because defensively there have been a-, a shambles in recent weeks and me and Vito spoke about this very much so recently on on Twitter, pretty much after every game and defensively there's always been something where we've said there's something wrong there, and again, it's it's no different today. They looked really, really timid for the first goal. Um, they just switched off from the deflection. Just there was there was absolutely no structure to it. The, the ball went, and then they just expected it to be elsewhere. And there was about five players around the ball, but nobody's actually looked for it. And then the the third goal, uh, no, the second goal. Sorry, he's just allowed to shoot. So it's it's a question then of how defensively do you go from Spalletti and the defensive shape there to Garcia and then Mazzari, who just like like we've said, they look an absolute shell of themselves in in all regions. To be honest, because even going forward, they don't seem as bright as they were last season.
1: The um the yeah the defensive side of it, it, it to me, it really goes to show just what a difference a quality defender can make to the defenders around them. Because obviously Kim is the one that left in the summer and has gone on to show that he is the real deal while he's at Bayern. Um, Rahmani looked fantastic last season alongside Kim. He doesn't look like that this season. He's sort of regressed back to just a, a sort of standard level defender. And then like today they had Juan Jesus next to him who again, at times last season looked very good alongside, you know, in a, in a really confident team and alongside a player like him. But, you know, there's a reason he's just sort of been kicking about various teams not doing massive amounts for quite a while. He's a solid but unspectacular defender and not the sort of defender who, alongside Brachmane, is going to you know, defend a league title. Obviously, they bought in uh, Natan, He was kind of meant to be the direct replacement for Kim, I've, you know, I I certainly don't watch every Napoli game, but I've not really heard him be talked about at all this season. I don't know if he's injured at the moment, but Vito, have you noticed anything from him at all?
2: Natan, I think, has been average. I don't think he's been particularly outstanding. And in a few games, he's been all right. Other times he was actually put at left back because Matias Oliveira and Mario Rui were injured. And I don't think he's neither bad or good. He's just someone that has a level and doesn't really elevate the team compared to what was there before in that role. Uh, Kalidou Koulibaly and Kim Jae is not even half the player um, they are. However, Juan Jesus, I've never liked him. I've always thought he was rubbish <laughs> at Roma and at Inter. I'm actually surprised he's played in Serie A for as long as he has. He's one of those guys, you can use him in a cameo, at least under Spalletti, but uh, with Spalletti gone, I think he's a guy that needs to be palmed off somewhere. It's just woeful. And the more I see this struggle from Napoli at the back, the more I think they've really got to try and beat Spurs in the transfer market and fork out the money for Dragoshin. I know Dragoshin's 21 years old, but he's been in uh, outstanding form. He looks very physically strong and shown maturity beyond his years. So even if, you know, jagoshin's not a guy that's going to be at Napoli for 10 years, at least they can have him for a few seasons and maybe sell him off for 70 or 80 million euros. Who knows?
1: Well, that's the thing. You'd say he's better than, you know, at least on form, he's better than what they've got right now. And like I say, that there is the potential there for... Were it to go well, you could you could potentially make a very tidy profit there, Um, like like the dipper kin basically. Um, Yeah, things are not good in Naples or in specifically in Turin today. Um, Roma Atalanta, we're going to talk about now. I'm annoyed by this game because it was often when Roma get a win, it it, it can sometimes feel slightly stolen. Um, it it actually would have been the other way around. Had Atalanta won this, it would have been a bit harsh on Roma because even though Atalanta took the lead pretty early, um, Roma responded quite well. It it wasn't a brilliant performance. It's not not like they battered Atalanta or anything like that, but they had far more of the play. Um, And if anyone was going to get a winner, it was going to be Roma. And they never found it, which means that that little top four cluster... Um, you've got Fiorentina in fourth on 33, and then down to Napoli in ninth. It's only a five-point gap. Um, So you've got a lot of teams all operating in the same realm there. Um, Atalanta are only one point ahead of Roma at the end of this game. Um, Either of you, really. Uh, Ben, let's go to you. Um, Do you you think that's fair where Roma sort of... I'm 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 hesitant to say unlucky, so I wouldn't say they've completely forced the issue. But they'll they'll be more annoyed than Asalanta to with the draw here, surely.
0: Um I'll be completely honest with you. It's it's a really, really weird game to call because with Roma so many times this season they've been just the they've just not been the better side and then like you say today, with them being the side more deserving of a win it's one of those games where you're going to look back on towards the end of the season where it is so tight in that in that top nine um places for for champions league and and just europe in general it's going to be looked at as one of those games where you have to get those deciding points because especially against atlanta who like you say a point above you've got to you've got to make that count and even though they went behind early on and they equalized before half time it then kind of you'd have confidence that rum would then have the momentum to, to push on in the second half. And while they potentially had more of the ball and things like that, they didn't really do much of it and they didn't cause too much to suggest to that there would be something there. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a game where we look back on in a few months' time if they aren't in, in the European places come the end of the season and say they had to make something of that game.
1: Um, another red card for Jose Mourinho. <laughs> Towards the end of the game, just because it's it's what he does now. It's, he has one game on, one game off. Um, Rito, do you do you think that that has any sort of effect on Roma, like M- Mourinho's consistent red cards and the fact that there are so many games that he's, he can't be on the touchline for? Because in some ways, I think surely that can't be helpful. Then there are other ways where his sort of angst on the touchline does seem to genuinely carry that team sometimes.
2: I think he does what he does because it creates that siege mentality in the locker room that it's an us versus them mentality, or in this case, it's Roman against everyone else. So perhaps he does that to roll roll up the players, fire them up. However, sometimes I feel that, considering that he's 60 years old now, I think that's, you know, a bit of immaturity on his part that, you know, you can't just keep going on that the injustices with the refereeing and keep blaming the refereeing for the refereeing, I mean, for the quality of your team. Ultimately, even if you just use that on the on the outside to say that, you know, the refereeing stand in Italy is poor, I think there's still just a lot of issues with Rome as a team, their depth issues, and also how they've generally performed. So I won't talk about necessarily how they performed against... Uh, Atalanta today, but I think in general, throughout the season, they haven't looked convincing at all in Serie A, and perhaps the Europa League's been the place where they've looked a bit more positive on the basis that they do face weak opposition, with all due respect to Slavia, Prague, and the other teams in the Europa League group.
1: Yeah, um, I'll just, we'll go through the other games, I'll just chuck... Um, each game that each of you for a, a, a vague thought about one of the teams whatever you like um, Bologna 1 Genoa 1 um, Ben are, are Bologna derailing slightly or is it is not too much to worry about
0: um, I wouldn't say it's too much to worry about just yet um, they, they've performed well so far and they're still in a very good position with with stuff so I wouldn't say it's it's a derailing like if you look at the results before the past two weeks They've not lost in in an awful long time, so I wouldn't say it's it's a derail and a potentially a bit of cause for concern. Yeah, but I think that it's it's nothing where you kind of sit and you scratch your head and say,
1: how long have they got? Where they're in this this conversation for Europe? Frozen only two, Monza or Vito. Do you want to talk about Bologna?
2: Oh, just a quick bit. Yeah, I just think that I watched the second half of that game and I thought that. Uh... What's his name? Joseph Martinez. He had a very good game for Genoa. And I think one of the issues with Bologna is they do have a lot of possession, but they don't generate enough shots. So at least this time they did do that. But I also reckon that now that Ricardo Solini is slowly getting back to fitness, I think that once he's fully fit and also once he switched on, I think that's going to help Bologna a lot because consistency issues have been a major issue with him on his day. He's fantastic. But if he was able to just have a consistent run and just have a great second half of the season, I think that would help Bologna a lot and take some pressure off Xerxy too.
1: Yeah, very true. Um Krozenano two, Monza three. Um only were very, I mean, you could say they're still fun because I mean, it's three, two, but um they were more fun in a in a winning way earlier in the season but they have started to drift a bit of Novita, they they've lost the last four in the league and they're down to 15th now
2: yeah it's not looking too good result-wise at the moment and i think a lot of it's been the unnecessary i mean the necessary forced in Formation changes to be honest. Uh, recently, Di Francesco's gone for a back three formation. They are missing a natural left back, Riccardo Marchitza. So I think that's been problematic. And also, Luca Mazzatelli, the captain and key midfielder, he's only returned from injury recently. So he's slowly getting back in the team. But they are, there are still some teething issues, if you like, because they are a very young team. And watching this game, uh, Monza just really cut through them. And they did, And Monza didn't need Andrea Colpani to have a good game at all. It was mostly just Valentin Carboni and Danny Motta just cutting them apart on the counter-attack. And once they did pull a, go- a goal back for Zunoni, they did look a bit more lively, but it's a case of they lacked the cutting edge.
1: Yeah. Um, I'll spare either of you Lecce 1, calorie 1. Um, but <laughs> I will say that he's done a very good job to get calorrie into a position now where that they're going to be in the relegation fight through the whole season but when when the season first started it, it felt like they could be the sort of team that gets cut adrift very quickly um and they're just about picking up the odd point or the odd win regularly enough you know they' they're 17th now they're they're right in there but they they don't look as awful as I thought they might be Vito
2: um, one of the keys, in my opinion, is that uh, Ranieri's made a change in goalkeeper. They had uh, Radunovic, if I got his name right, uh, starting in the early games, and he looked woeful. And he was responsible for two of Milan's four goals in this in the Italia game midweek. So it goes to show he was a horrible choice. But with uh, Simone Scufi in goal, uh, I think he's been a bit more reliable, and I think that's just filtered through to the rest of the team
1: hmm um so swallow one fiorentina nil um what is that to say about this i'm opening this to the floor (laughs) nothing's coming to me for this game
0: Fiorentina, nothing Um, went right for one veto if you want
2: to okay um look i'll just say that yeah for fiorentina this is a very bad result although they're still in fourth place and have a champions league spot um this is a bad result for them because you know afterwards this would give Bologna a bit of a chance to sort of uh, catch up and I think Fiorentina in this moment of time need to need to build more of the momentum and be able to sort of put teams away so they can have a bit more security otherwise you know games like this this is what allows their rivals to get back in or give them a bit of confidence and belief to say, you know, we can take this fourth place away from Fiorentina and I reckon Bologna and the teams below them, if Fiorentina don't start scoring goals again, uh, I think they'll capitalise on those slumps in the next couple of weeks.
1: A team that wants fourth, Bern, Lancia. Um yep. they, they won 2-1 away at Udnose, which... Um, yeah, we 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 don't like who in this parish, um, but it's not an easy place to, to go and win, generally speaking. Um, so, and, and yeah, Latics have won three in a row now, and they they kind of exhibit how, um, in in that little section of the table, that they, they were floating around ninth, tenth for a little while, um, and then now they're up to seventh with those three wins. It, it, it's all changing very quickly there. Um, how how much of a chance do you give them in a the big picture sense of getting top four? Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of competition for it.
0: I, d- I don't want to be boring and say it's it's too early to call, but it's it's one of those where there's just there's too but many it teams. Is. It, <laughs> is, it is boring. It is, but there's just too many teams there, and there's like like we say, it changed in the space of three games where the podcast in two weeks' time we might be saying Lazio might have lost two on the trot, and we might be saying right, okay, well. Roma are now in that spot where they're three points away from, from Champions League. So it's it's a really fluctuating position for them to be in and it makes it great as a neutral. Um, And to score, I don't want to say late on, but in the last 15 minutes of a game is always nice. And it, you just kind of get the feeling that maybe there's just that little bit of a push now um, that they've needed all season because they've been uninspiring all season really if we're, if we're being honest so if this is them now starting to push on it's arguably the best time to do so January market potentially somebody through the door just to give a little bit more inspiration and then kick on really for the last 19 games of the season
1: The other action today was in um, in Cremona it was the Supercoppa uh, for Mille final and Juve won 2-1 against Roma which sort of adds a little bit of intrigue to when the uh when the league action comes back which I'm pretty sure is next weekend um because obviously Roma have won all of their games in the league while Juve are trying to chase them and currently not managing to do it but the fact they've won this game um you know they, they still need to play each other three more times um before the end of the season so if, if, they, if they've got Roma's number then uh then they can catch them. Connor and I will have a um, we'll have a podcast about that coming in the week at some point for for Patreon subscribers. Um, the the nice thing at this was that at halftime. Um, we, what we, know, I think, I think we're a, a year and a day or a year and two days on from when Jen Luke of the Alley died, and uh, Criminals have have named today they did it at halftime. They've um renamed one of the one of the stands um, after him. And it was a sort of nice little presentation in the, in the pouring rain um, with lots of people crying and a, and a violin and everything. It was all very nice because um, obviously he played for them. I imagine Vito can tell us how many goals he got for them. Do you want to?
2: Uh, to be honest, not overall, but <laughs> uh, this is going to sound ridiculous to people thinking that I know this. His last season there, he actually scored 10 goals in Serie B and that helped him get into Serie A. And that also prompted some to buy him. So there you go. Well, there you go. Well, he's a you, Cremona know. boy. Yeah. yeah, he's a Cremona boy. So, you know, a youth-grown product. So uh, after, you know, his heroics as a youngster, he then went on to have a successful playing career. But uh, that hometown connection, I think that's been maintained, you know, with the Cremonese fans.
1: Yeah, and it'll be maintained even more now, now that he's got his stand. Um, so, yes, that is us. Um, when are our next matches? They're uh, just the coming weekend. We've, we've got non-stop weekends now. Um, Milan Rama is the standout of next week's games on the Sunday night. That'll be very, very interesting at the San Siro. Um, reminder, patreon.com forward slash Football. If you want extra stuff, you know, we do extra podcasts on there. There's the women's one. There is, um, depending on what's going on, if there's European stuff, there's a European one or there's some sort of bonus one. Um, There's two-year, five-year and ten-year tiers if you're feeling really nice. Um, TotalHabbingTalentFootball.com is where you can see all the match coverage from the weekend that we've just had. And that's where Team of the Week, Player of the Week will be on Monday. I believe that is us. Say goodbye, Vito. Goodbye. And say goodbye, Ben.
0: Cheers for having me. Goodbye.